Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. I want you to imagine for a moment what your life would be like if you completely lost the ability to remember things. You may feel that process has already begun. I want you to imagine for just a moment, a mental exercise, what life would be like if you were completely unable to bring to mind the books that you've read, uh, the people that you have met, or the experiences that you've had, if they've all just kind of get blotted out. There once was such a man, his name was Jimmy. He suffered from a disease called Korsakoff syndrome. Uh, which left him unable to remember anything that happened to him after the age of 19. The doctor who treated him writes about him in his book. Uh, This doctor met Jimmy when Jimmy was 50 years old. This doctor knew him for 10 years. Uh, He saw him at least once a week. Every time he saw him, every week for 10 years, he had to be introduced to Jimmy as if they were meeting for the very first time. Jimmy would sit down with a magazine and read it, By the time he got to the end of the magazine, he would have completely forgotten the beginning of it. He could read it over and over and over again, and it would be new every time. He could read it for the rest of his life, and it would be new every time. Every time he looked in the mirror, he expected to see a 19-year-old boy. Every time he was shocked to see this gray-haired old man looking back at him, he forgot who he was. Who you are depends on your ability to remember. I want to read a passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians 11, but before I do, let me say a word about the context. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth uh, because they've been abusing the Lord's Supper. Uh, There have been divisions within the church. Instead of being a, a celebration of unity of the body, it's become a fractious thing. Uh, It was turned into the haves versus the have-nots. It's been an act of dismembering the body of Christ. Paul wants to bring them back to what is essential to the very heart of what this observance is about. He writes in 1 Corinthians 11.23, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul signals his intention for this passage with a couple of little phrases he uses in verse 23. He says that he received something and handed it on. Uh, These are uh, technical terms that were used in Judaism to talk about the, the transmission of critical religious instruction, faith forming information. Paul says, this is what I hand on to you. This is of first importance. And then he sketches this scene of Jesus and his friends. I'd like you to do some remembering for a moment. 
So for three years, Jesus and his friends, these disciples, have been inseparable. I mean, they've been together 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. Jesus' friends have listened to his teaching. They've watched him walk on water. Uh, They've seen him feed thousands of people with uh, five loaves and two fish. They've seen him heal the sick, uh, cast out demons, calm storms, and raise the dead. I mean, these friends of his left everything. Who you are depends on your ability to remember. Jesus draws on one of the most important words in all of the Old Testament. It's used many times. Uh, Joshua leads the children of Israel across the Jordan River. After they, they get across, he stops them, pulls out 12 men, and tells them to get rocks and to make a pile of rocks. He says, when your children see this pile of rocks and ask what this pile of rocks is doing there, I want you to tell them about the time when we were crossing the Jordan River and God pulled the waters apart so that we could cross on dry land. I want it to be there as a memorial. I want you to remember. And it's not just there. All through the Old Testament, God says, remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. I reached out with a strong arm and delivered you from Egypt. He says, when you see a rainbow in the sky, I want you to remember that I have promised I will never again destroy the earth with a flood. He says, when you celebrate the Passover and eat unleavened bread for seven days and your children ask why you're doing this, I want you to tell them about the time that your lives were spared because of the blood of the lamb so that it will be, as the Bible says, a memorial, a sign on your forehead. Over and over and over again, the writers of scripture say, remember, remember, remember. This is in the scriptures, what the Old Testament scholars call a theology of remembering. And here's the crucial question. Why do you think God tells us to remember so often? It's not a trick question. It's because we forget. We're amazingly forgetful creatures. We have two memory problems. One of them is we forget what we should remember. We just forget stuff. I want you to think about this in your own life. When was the last time you forgot something? Uh, Let me just prompt you with a couple of categories. Have you ever took a test when you were a student and forgot an important date or a piece of information? Have you ever forgotten someone's name or telephone number or a birthday or worse, an anniversary? Have you ever forgotten your car keys? Have you ever walked out of the grocery store and forgot where you parked your car? Have you ever walked into a room, looked around for a moment and realized you can't remember why you walked into that room in the first place? Have you ever rented a movie and then remembered like two thirds of the way through the movie that you've already seen it before? We are an amazingly forgetful people. According to the writers of scripture, what is especially astounding about us is our capacity to forget God. The capacity of human beings to forget the God who made us and loves us. So God delivers Israel from Egypt. In a matter of days, the people of Israel are dancing and worshiping around this golden calf. Moses says to them in Deuteronomy 32, 18, you deserted the rock that fathered you. You forgot the God of your birth. You forgot 
Meaning not simply that God just slipped your minds, you forgot, meaning that you're living as though God never loved you and never saved you as if God is absent from your heart. You forgot God. And it's not just Israel. I do that. I have times when my children come in and they want something from me and they interrupt me and they want to ask me to do something for them. And the way that I respond to them, I can see it when I reflect on it. It's like I've forgotten God. I go driving down a street and there's on the corner a homeless person holding up a sign wanting help. And if I'm aware enough to take the lead on my heart's initial response to that, very often what it says is, I've forgotten God. I've forgotten that this is a human being that is beloved by God. Jesus says to his friends, to you and me, remember me. He means not just to call me to mind occasionally. The word he uses is the Greek word anamnesis. Uh, The negative form of the word is where we get the word amnesia from. Uh, Jesus is talking about the kind of remembering that can help you avoid spiritual amnesia. If you do it right, and if you do it Jesus' way when you remember, then what was real once before becomes real once again. You're reborn. When you remember, if you do it right, what was real in the past becomes real now. We have that happen in our ordinary lives occasionally. Uh, Sometimes a song will do it. There will be a song that you connect very heavily with at a certain moment in your life, and it brings back a flood of memories, like they're all in the present. I asked one of our pastors, uh, Lisa, if she would share with you a story about how songs connect with the people she ministers to. You know, it's the coolest thing to watch someone in a memory care community remember Music gets so powerful. You know, there's a familiar song called I've Got the Joy, 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 Joy Down in My Heart. Now, it was written in 1925, and I've yet to sing it with a group of people in a care facility where at least a few of them don't know it. And it's the cutest thing to listen to the seniors respond. I mean, we hoot and we holler and we laugh. And there are other times that I moved literally to tears. You know, Norma has such advanced Alzheimer's that she's basically non-communicative. You know, if you saw her, you'd think there's no way she knows what's happening around her. I mean, she's completely trapped in her failing body. That's what you can see. A couple weeks ago, we were singing Battle Hymn of the Republic. I'm my back toward her, and as we got to the chorus, I hear a, vo- a voice coming from behind me, and it's Norma. And clear as day, she's singing word for word the chorus. I mean, it was beautiful. It was incredible. Jesus Loves Me is another favorite because it's so familiar. You know, as Nancy was singing, her, her eyes filled with tears, and she had her hands crossed over her heart, and she whispers to me, you know, I think he loves me too. And I said, yeah, he sure does. I mean, he loves you even more than I do, and I love you a lot. And she smiled, and, you know, tears were rolling down her cheeks. And I could tell stories all day long. I see firsthand every week how important music is. You know, I watch people come to life. I see joy fill empty space, and it blows me away. There was a time that I wrote so many people off as not being capable of participating or understanding. These days, it's a personal challenge to find a way to make a connection with every person regardless of how they seem outwardly. Music is one of the best ways to do that. Music helps people access memories and emotions that they otherwise couldn't. Don't tell anyone, but I got the best job. 
It's a powerful ministry Lisa has, helping people to remember. You see, when Jesus calls us to remember, he's not saying, uh, call me to mind occasionally. When you remember, if you do it right, the God who delivered Moses from Pharaoh and the God who ushered his children across the Jordan River is suddenly seen to be present here and now. The one that's being delivered by God is now me. The 12 stones suddenly become a burning bush that God inhabits. What was real once before becomes real once again. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is your God and my God. I'm sure you could come up with a pile of rocks, memories about times when God guided you or healed you or blessed you or loved you. And about the moment when you first heard that song or those words, Jesus loves me, and you realized it was true. There's something else I need to point out about this passage. This passage is not about warm memories. This is not a, a nostalgic trip down memory lane that Paul's talking about. This is a passage about death, a broken body, a shed blood. We have two problems with our memory. One of them is we forget what we should remember. You know what the other one is? We remember what we should forget. And I think maybe that's more of a painful problem. I was talking some time ago to a couple that was gonna get married, uh, just talking about their wedding plans. The future bride broke down and started to weep. And then she began to talk about what was going on inside of her and what happened to her when she was younger. Uh, she had gotten involved with a married man. She became pregnant and didn't know what to do. Uh, she was from a Christian family and she agonized and finally had the child aborted. And it, it left her with a wound uh, that would not heal. She heard people that she knew talk about that issue in ways that made her feel rightly or wrongly that it was not safe for her to tell anyone. The greatest fear in her life that would not let her alone was that on the day she was going to be married, she would walk down the aisle in her wedding gown, but that memory of what she had done would just torment her. It was like a knife in her heart. Her problem was she couldn't forget it. She couldn't let it go. It wouldn't let her go. Maybe for you today, what would keep you from encountering and remembering Jesus is something that's lodged in the memory banks of your heart that you cannot forget. The real problem of human beings is re we remember what we cannot forget. And Jesus says, know this about God. God is not only the universe's greatest rememberer, but God is also the universe's greatest forgetter. Uh, the writer of scripture says in Psalm 103, for as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. Our sin is so irrelevant to God's attitude to us that it's as if he's forgotten it. It's as if God has taken on voluntary amnesia for us. It's as if God, this omniscient, all-seeing, all-knowing being, had just had something escape from his memory. It's like it's blotted out. Jesus says, that's the new covenant in my blood. That's the sufficiency of my life and death and resurrection for you. Today, you're called to remember. And today, the good news is, you're called to forget. Today is a day to forget. 
I was driving home in Pleasanton not too long ago. Uh, I was actually on our street when I saw uh, the flashing blue lights in my rearview mirror. And so I pulled over into our driveway. Uh, the officer got out of his car, walked over to my car, I rolled down the window. He leaned in and said, do you know why I stopped you? And I hate it when they say that because there's just no good answer. Uh, no, do you want directions to a donut shop? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I apologize for that one. Uh, please don't send me emails on that one. I know I shouldn't have said it. I'm sorry I did. Uh, it didn't keep me from saying it, but I'm sorry I said it. So I didn't actually say that to the officer. I was looking for a more strategic answer in that moment. So I said to him, no officer, I have no idea why you stopped me. Uh, we just moved here recently. We used to live in Sonol. Uh, I was just driving home from church. I was probably thinking about the Bible. Did I mention I'm a pastor? <laughs> he said to me, well, the speed limit here in this particular stretch of road is only 25 miles an hour. You wouldn't wanna run over any kids, would you? I knew the right answer to that question. Uh, he said, plus, you just rolled through a stop sign. In Sonol, you may roll through stop signs. Here in Pleasanton, a stop sign means stop. I said, you must be proud to be a police officer in Pleasanton. Uh, he had his ticket pad out and he hadn't been making any notes on it. And I don't know what prompted me to ask this question, but I said to him, well, what about the ticket? And he said the most amazing thing. He looked at me and he said, you know what, forget it. Forget it. Remember the speed limit when you're on the road, this road from now on. Remember to stop uh, when you come to a stop sign, but forget the ticket. And I did. Uh, he didn't give me a ticket. I've never had anything like that happen before in my life. Uh, it's not that I get arrested all that often, but he just let me go. Today, what we celebrate is a time to forget. I don't mean that in an unhealthy way. I don't mean that you repress or gloss over stuff. I mean that as a human being, you and I have memories that occasionally, uh, when we allow them to, they wake us up at three o'clock in the morning. We stare at the ceiling wondering why we did what we did and why we can't uh, fix it or it can't be undone. Jesus said that God's heart, God's desire and intention toward you is that you not be tortured by guilt anymore. God's forgiveness for you is utter, complete, and sufficient. It's all wrapped up in this business of the new covenant. It's based not on what we can do, not on your observance of some moral code, but simply on the grace of God. It's the new covenant. Forget it, but remember Christ. You need to understand this kind of remembering is a costly remembering. From a legal standpoint, it's as if my ticket it was just forgotten. It's as if I had never gone too fast or never missed a stop sign. You know, for the last while, every time I come to that stop sign and drive on my street, I remember. It changes me a bit. I drive a little slower and come to a complete stop. Uh, I don't drive the same. When I come to that stop sign, I remember. Remembering changes me. Jesus says, when you come to the table, I want you to remember. You know, probably the meal they were celebrating together was the Passover meal. The purpose of the Passover meal was to remember that God had spared the firstborn of the household because of the blood of the lamb. Jesus says, no, now I want you to remember this new covenant. I want you to remember the body that was broken for you and the blood that has been shed for you. It means that your sin, 
uh, your guilt and shame have been forgotten by God. No more allowing those things to haunt you. Understand this remembering will demand something of you. The kind of remembering Jesus invites his friends to is a costly kind of remembering. In the Bible, most often when that verb to remember is used, it's used of God. God is the one who remembers. Most often God remembers his people. What it means is not that God says, oh yes, they're my people. When the writers of scripture say God remembered his people, they mean God has acted, delivered, and saved. It's a costly thing. Do you remember when Jesus was crucified and there were two thieves uh, who were crucified next to him? One was repentant. Uh, The repentant thief had a request of Jesus. Do you remember what that repentant thief asked Jesus? He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me. You understand that he he didn't mean uh, just acknowledge my identity. He meant, Jesus, I want to be with you. I've lived a pretty miserable life and I'm being crucified and that's just. I have no complaint against the legal system. I've sinned against human beings and sinned against God. Nonetheless, Jesus, I've come to my last moment and I have nowhere else to turn. Jesus, will you remember me? Do you remember what Jesus says? This day, I'll remember you. You will be in paradise. I won't forget you. I will remember you. Do you know what that remembering cost? It cost the cross, death on a cross, a broken body and shed blood, not a casual thing. Remembering Jesus, the kind of remembering that he calls us to is done in the shadow of the cross. There will be effort involved in remembering Jesus and we're called to that. There will sometimes be pain involved in remembering Jesus and we're called to that. Sometimes there will be a sting to it That's part of why Paul goes on to warn us in the next passage. Before people partake in this observance, in this remembering, they're to examine themselves. The church of Corinth had become a very divided place. Uh, It made a mockery of the remembering. When we remember there's something going on that's beyond our ability to comprehend. We're trying to express this uh, in the way that we take communion today. We, you and me, have become members of one body, Christ's body, his body, that was broken for us. He took on the brokenness of our world, our hatred, our hostility, and our our division. Now we're invited to become his hands and his feet. Today, in some way, we don't fully understand and will not fully understand until we make it to heaven. Christ's body is being remembered. Do you remember Jimmy, who I talked about at the beginning of the message? You may want to pretend like you do, even if you don't. Uh, The doctor wondered if the disease, uh, Korsakoff syndrome, had left Jimmy capable of any kind of meaningful spiritual life at all. The doctor walked by the chapel one day. Uh, Inside the chapel at the hospital, there was Jimmy. You know what he was doing? The doctor writes that he was kneeling on the ground. He was receiving communion. It turned out he went to the chapel on a regular basis to receive communion. And the doctor writes, when he was in there at that moment, it was like he was another person. All of the anxiety, all of the emotional confusion, all of what usually surrounded him was gone. He was just focused and at rest. There was a peace about him that the doctor didn't think he was capable of. 
He writes at the end of his account about Jimmy, in the moment of communion, he found his soul. Who you are depends on your ability to remember. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. For when you remember, if you do it right, what was real once before becomes real once again. You proclaim the death of our Lord until he comes. All right, let me pray for us and then Michaela and the team will lead us in a song of reflection and then we'll take communion together to close the service. God, we're so grateful that we can remember the cross and what you did for us by shedding your blood, by giving your life. You freed us from, from sin, from guilt, and from death. So help us to remember that now. Help us to reflect on that now. And God, would you help us also to forget, to forget those things, those, those sins, those transgressions against you, those things that we've done in this life that we regret, the guilt that we carry, the shame that we carry. Help us to forget that. Help us to know that uh, you've taken that and you've separated it as far as the east is from the west, that you remember it no more and that we don't have to. So would you help us with that, God? Lead us into this time of communion now so that we can remember you and forget our sin. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.